0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Tristan. How you doing?
1: I'm hanging in there, Heif. A lot to be thankful for, even though we're a week after Thanksgiving, especially with all the action we've got coming up here.
0: Uh yeah, um it, it's uh, a pretty exciting week in duck sports. Uh post play uh is beginning for a, a lot of teams. Yeah, we we're going to be talking in the future about the women's volleyball uh team and of course on this podcast we're going to be talking about uh the the Pac-12 football championship game uh, against Washington. Um and basketball season uh has started up as well. Um although uh, uh, injuries are sort of conspiring to uh, to make both of these seasons uh, maybe uh, ones to forget. Uh, the women's basketball team you were recording this on uh, on Thursday night. Uh, the women's basketball team just finished getting throttled by Portland um, just because of the vagaries of the schedule and, and and what we have time for on the site. we're gonna delay writing that up uh, until Sunday, you know the same time that they're gonna play Baylor, which, gosh I'm sort of not looking forward to the ladies playing Baylor uh, but you're gonna be writing uh, uh, both of those up on Sunday so I figured we talked to you about it or um, uh, Oregon lost to, to Portland in Portland uh, uh, 60 to 91 uh, you know not a great uh, not a great score not not real great defense uh, only shot 36 percent from the floor Um Boy, not not a whole lot, uh, uh, you know, coming out of this to to make me think th- that that anything's going to turn around for this team. Do you think I'm being too pessimistic, Kristen?
1: Ah, uh, I'm afraid you're not, Hythe. And it, it's really disappointing for those of us who remember that very recently we were in a golden age of women's basketball at the University of Oregon. But it seems like uh, the team so far this year, there's. There's two major issues, and you, you brought up the uh, the one that's probably most frustrating to all fans at the opening, which is the women's basketball team and the men's basketball team have both suffered injuries to key players. And in the women's team's case, the player that they were going to be relying on at point guard, we, we, we've just never seen her play. And if you haven't got a point guard I mean, it's like trying to, uh, you know, scheme your way into an offense in football without a quarterback. If you haven't got a point guard, you just can't move the ball. And especially in the women's game, ball movement is so important. And not to oversimplify it, but the fact of the matter is this team can't shoot. Uh, You know, we're looking at the Portland game and it's 36% field goal percentage, 29% uh, from the three point line and over fi- only 56% from the charity stripe. And that's how you get blown out 60 to 91 by UP who just shouldn't be in your weight class.
0: Yeah. The, the, you know, shooting poorly from, from the free throw line is really concerning. Um, cause it's like, you know, you, you don't need a point guard to shovel you the ball from the free throw line. Um, or, or or like Filipina Che shooting three for eight, you know, like, you know, she's got the ball in her hand, you know, taking eight shots is about appropriate, you know, um, you know, they're getting her the ball. She's not putting it in the basket, you know, um, And then that's to say nothing to the defensive side. I mean, Portland was, I, they're, they're a little about, you know, they were shooting about 41% from the three point line, which means they're probably a little ahead of their skis, right. You know, probably 91 points is, is a bit of luck, um, uh, you know, a a little more realistic score. Like if you played this game a hundred times, they probably don't score 91, you know, every time, you know, it's probably more, you know, in the, the, the high seventies, low eighties, but still, you know, that, that'd be more than enough to beat the ducks, you you know, on this, this sort of night. Um, you know, because they're doing everything else, right. You know, they were shooting 76% from the free throw line. They were shooting 45% from the floor. Like they, you know, they had, uh, you know, six different players in double digits. Um, you know, like just about everybody for them was positive on the plus minus. Right. Cause you know, they were playing defense. Right. Um, you know like and look you know portland's not a bad team you know like for anybody who's you sitting there thinking that's a joke opponent like nah portland pilots have been a good team for you know for a long time but like as you oh, say yeah. like n- not in oregon's weight class or at least mm-hmm. not not where oregon ought to be um and, and like oh boy there. i mean there's just like y- 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 you know like Well, like one of the problems is, is like time of possession, you you know, like, because, you know, for example, Chance Gray, who's, who's the ball handler in the absence of the, 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 the point guard, you you know, she's also the three point shooter. Well, she's shooting, you know, one for seven from three point arc. And, and like, I, I don't know, she hasn't, she hadn't shot any better than that for like five games, you know, like something she's just, like
1: that at this point. Yeah.
0: So, so, you know, she's, she's, and she's got like two assists, you know, in this game. Right. Which means like she's yeah,
1: your distributor is not distributing.
0: Yeah. She's run down the floor, jacking up threes missing. And that's how Oregon comes out, you know, losing time of possession, you know, like that that ain't good. You know, that, that's, that's how you contribute to a team that like, you know, that, that's how you get outscored, you know, like that's, you know, like you could even be playing halfway decent defense. You just keep giving them the ball, you know?
1: Yeah, and you know in in basketball of course, every once in a while even really strong shooting teams are going to have a cold night and if it's up against the wrong team, there's really not much you can do about it, but you try to make up for that with uh, with rebounding and playing strong team defense. And you know, rebounding obviously you need the right body types, but there's definitely a strong coaching aspect and strong team defense is definitely a coaching aspect. And I feel like we're just not seeing any of those ingredients in this team either. What do you think of that hype?
0: I mean, it's, you know, uh, number one, I feel like, you know, the team's wasting grace Van Sluten, you know, because like her numbers, you know, continue to, to look pretty good to me, but like, you know, if I'm looking for, for, First of all, like, I think there's just a lot of dead weight on the team, which probably goes back to, like, the ultimate, you know, sort of coaching thing, which is assembling the correct roster. Like, you know, number one, why they only have one point guard so that, like, one injury destroys the season. You know, number two, you know, probably more than half of this roster is, is dead weight you know, that can't contribute anything like, you know, why didn't you fill out the roster with more people who could play? Um, and second of all, like development, you know, or I guess third point, it would be development, you know, like why is Chance Gray, you know, shooting so poorly from the three point, you know, like why, why is Kennedy Basham like never made any progress? Why is, you know, why is Filipina Chase seem to be stuck in neutral in terms of her development? Like, I mean, her, you know, the, 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 the presence that she brings to the floor is tremendous, but I mean, everybody agreed because she's such a, you know, she's such a latecomer to basketball that like, it was going to take, you know, some progress, you know, why is she shooting three from eight still, you know, why is she only contributing five rebounds, you know, like, Right. Like, you know, you would have expected by this point in her career, she were being, you know, really well, you know, developed at an accelerated pace that like all this sort of statistical production would have been, you know, maybe 50% better. And it's, and it's not, you know, so like, yeah, you know, I think it's probably pretty fair to say that like, you know, there's, there's inadequacies, you know, from coaching, you know, it's not just like, oh, you know, the coach is doing everything that he can, but they're getting reamed by, you know, bad luck and, and, and stuff outside of the coaching staff's control. And, uh, uh oh, they got some players that they got sold to of goods on, you know, like I was willing to buy that explanation during the COVID season and coming out of the COVID season, because like evaluating players. Um, like evaluating players out of high school during the, the, you know, when COVID was, was really wrecking things was really difficult because it's like, how the hell were you supposed to tell how good anybody was when no one was playing basketball, you know, like, yeah it was <laughs> like everybody was seeing through a glass darkly. Um, and so if you missed on players, like, you know, I, I could understand that. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I, yeah, it was probably inevitable. Um, we're, we're on the other end of that, you know, I don't want to dismiss the effects of COVID. Lots of people are still dying from COVID. I'm not trying to diminish that, but like the effects on sports were on the other end of it. And, and, and you're still missing, like you're still missing bad. Um, on player evaluations, like, and, and you live in an era in which you, in which you have like really liberalized roster management tools where it's like, if you mm-hmm. made that sort of mistake, it's like, and you have the cachet of Oregon, like it's easy to turn over your roster.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. we're seeing sort of a failure on two roster management levels. One is uh, scouting, evaluation, and recruiting. And then the second is, okay, everyone misses sometimes. There's no perfect evaluations. And I think in the modern era, it's very acceptable to be honest with your players. If they've been in the program for a year or two, look, we we took you and we gave you a scholarship because we knew you had potential. And now that we're at this point, we're not seeing that potential developed. We would like the roster spot for either someone who can contribute immediately or to find someone else with potential that they might be able to fulfill. And you know, if the player has done everything that's been asked of them, one would hope that an honest coaching staff would say, "Hey, there are places where you can contribute, and yeah. we're going to help you find them, and we're going to tell them that you do everything you're asked to do."
0: Yeah, no, there there are respectful and helpful ways of having that conversation. And if a player is basically not going to see playing time, you know, it, it doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. I mean, I'm general like the portal is good for everybody. You know, if a player's not going to see playing time, like there are a lot of people who I think have this like really backwards, you know, where it's like, well, you should demonstrate loyalty for a player and allow them to, to what sit on a bench? You know, like how's that doing them any good? Like, you know, the the the. I mean these I, are in these are I players, to, you know, dedicated
1: players. They want to play.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the the whole point of like liberalizing all of this is like, let everyone go like eliminate artificial, you know, restrictions where people are not where, you know, they ought to be. And, And instead, you know, allow players who were, you know, artificially and improperly sorted to you know either lower level programs than they ought to be allow them to rise to higher level programs and you know the the folks who were artificially you know improperly sorted to higher level programs who need to drop down a level in order to get playing time allow them to play you know it, it you know like and it doesn't matter what school you're talking to or what sport we're talking about like that's what liberalization of you know allows to happen and i think anybody you know any like who's who's using terms like loyalty or whatever you know what you're really just saying is no i like those artificial restrictions you know where like whatever the randomness of evaluation you know, initial evaluation stuck you at like that, that, they that, that ought to stick forever is like, that's so backwards to my mind. And, and, and like, yeah, I think there are ways that you can go about that that are like disrespectful and obnoxious. And I think we have seen coaches do things that are disrespectful and obnoxious. Um, and that's, to be you sure. know, and and that's bad you you know that Mm -hmm. should be condemned but like but that's just the way that you do it like the the fact of doing it is is uh, somewhere between a neutral and a positive like yeah so like yeah i i don't know why you went on that rant i agree with you like the 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 like it just it's patently obvious to me that like if you have that there are, there are right ways to do it. And I guess, you know, to the extent that we're talking about coaching, like if a coach is unable to bring themselves to do that because of sentimental attachments or an inability to recognize that that's what needs to happen, then that what you have defined yourself as is a bad coach.
1: I, I would have to agree with that. And, You know, unfortunately, I feel like we're having a lot of the same conversations at the beginning of this women's basketball season that we were having throughout the last basketball season. And, you know, the short term hope is, frankly, that going up against Baylor, you you keep it under 100 for Baylor. But I think the long term hope is that either this this coaching staff takes a long, hard look at itself and says, okay, there are some major changes that need to happen here or, you know, I hate to say it, it may be time for the athletic director to start thinking maybe I need, to, right. uh, maybe I need to start making some changes here.
0: I, I mean, I, I set up that conditional last year. I mean, this yeah. is before you, you came on staff, So, so although mm-hmm. I guess I was seeing it on the podcast that you may have been listening to. But, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was done with the women's basketball team last year, last year. Uh, but I, I, you know, my, my stance was like, those were all players who came out of the COVID like evaluation period. And I was willing to buy, I was willing to give them a mulligan on it because like, you know, they took a bunch of five stars who came out of the COVID evaluation, you know, period. And, you know, it turns out that, you know, they they, you know, and, and I, 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 and who couldn't play and uh, I was willing to give him a mulligan on that. I, I was will, willing to say that, like, you know, there there's a pretty good chance that that, you know, doesn't have to do with development. They were just like they were never that player. And then Badwater wrote an article in which he examined, you know, the players who have left Oregon and gone to other places how of like what was their statistical you know performance you know before and after and then vice versa the players you know from other places who came to Oregon and vice versa and basically what he found you know was it all sort of came out in the wash there were a couple of players who did a little better there were a couple of players who did a little worse and that went for you know in both both directions both leaving oregon and coming to oregon and uh, there was like and if you wanted in other and that in other words the null hypothesis right mm-hmm. like w- yeah. you know for for anybody who remembers their their social science you know classes or whatever like the null hypothesis is that you would not get any strong correlation one way or the other like if you wanted to establish that graves was a fantastic developer you would get a you know a strong correlation in in one direction uh, or if you wanted to establish that he was a terrible you know developer you would get a strong correlation in the other direction but instead you just sort of got random um not nothing but just random um mm-hmm. which is the null hypothesis um if you got nothing you would you would probably indicate that there was something wrong with your experimental design oh, um yeah. <laughs> but anyway uh and so it's like I, I you know i was like look man this is probably just like COVID evaluation stuff but like if if he does this again like, that's it. I'm done with him. Like, he needs to go. It, 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 what it probably indicates is that he just got lucky with, you know, UNESCO and Saboli at all. And uh, and that, like, you know, pro- probably somebody else on his coaching staff who's since left, you know, like Campbell was the real genius. And, uh, and and yeah, you know, I set up that conditional last year and like it seems like we've tripped it. Like or we're coming real close to me saying, you know, yeah, no, we've tripped it, and I'm just done with this. Like, I don't know, where are you? I I'm
1: afraid I'm I'm at about that same point. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say you got to go out and beat Baylor. That's patently unreasonable given the state of this team. If you can if you can pull together some wins in the Pac-12 somehow, then maybe we can reevaluate but at this point i I think a reset is needed for this program which is very unfortunate because as you as you mentioned this is coming off uh what was not too long ago in the before times the golden era of oregon women's basketball and that momentum has stumbled and you know, if it if it stumbles coming out of the COVID evaluation period, you can say, well, I mean, what do you want? Basically, everybody was rolling dice; they had never really seen these players play. But if it's continuing, then you'd hope that, especially with uh, UNESCO being now one of the faces, not just of women's basketball, but of basketball. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, out out in the uh, out in pop culture right now that you could, that you could ride that momentum and say, Hey, you know, there's something special in Eugene. If you want to come ball out in Eugene. And right now we're looking at losing 91 to 60 to a solid, but again, should be out of your weight class Portland team. And you've got to go play one of the blue bloods of the sport and then try and get this team psyche in the right place after that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, there's no sane program that fires their coach in December. Oh, like. And so this is going to be kind of like awkward if like the entire ATQ writing staff is out on graves at, you know, on November 30th. Um, (laughs) And then it's like, like two to three more months of like we're covering women's basketball and just sort of like, well, you know, know, but like, it's not like they can like have a point guard transfer in, in the middle of the year. Like, you know, if we're in a position where we're just going to be talking about like, well, you know, like, like, like every week when we talk about soccer, you know, and it'd be like, well, uh, you know, like, what are you, what are, what are you going to do? You know, like. Uh, uh,
1: well, at least the soccer team was mostly freshmen. We can think maybe there's yeah. going to be some development there.
0: I I, I don't know. Like, yeah. uh, you know, this could be, you know, a, a season to forget. Uh, you know, on the other hand, if we all sort of like come to an agreement that, that like – you know we're sort of like biding time here i don't know maybe we can just sort of laugh about it uh we will see how the game goes against baylor you're going to be covering it on sunday uh mm-hmm. who knows we could be wrong about all of this like that you know maybe this is this you know sort of embarrassing loss to portland is a is a kick in the seat and the, and the team turns it around it uh straight definitely stranger things have happened i've watched way weirder stuff happen in basketball uh you know teams go on runs i mean hell dana altman sometimes makes it it is like calling card you know, who knows? So yeah, I'm definitely still going to stay tuned. Uh, you know,
1: most definitely I've been wrong before and I'd love to be wrong now.
0: All right. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, we come back, uh, we'll talk a little football. So the most recent article that you wrote for the site, which I, I thought we should get some closure on, um, uh, it was a history of the Oregon versus Oregon State football series. Um, you know, obviously, since you wrote that article, uh, Oregon and Oregon State played their last game as fellow Pac-12 members. Um, you know, Oregon won it fairly convincingly for, for reasons that I had basically predicted in my article, you know, way back in, uh, you know, whenever I wrote it back in like April or May or something like that, um, you, you know, and, and uh, I, I the reason that I say that is because, you know, my post game realization is, you know, because because the article, the, the, the summer preview article that I wrote was about being very like like the thrust of it, or at least for anybody who's willing to read between the lines. It was how confused I was for Jonathan Smith coming off of a, you know, such a successful season in which he'd really seemed to break through with the Beavers. Um, but you know, it, 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 it was on a defense that was built on a bunch of like sixth year seniors and a couple of NFL caliber guys who by definition all left at the end of that year. And also, you know, he, he was facing some attrition at some of the skill, like critical skill position players that he needed for his offense um, on the other side of the ball. And the, my article, like the thrust of it uh, again, you, you know, I didn't quite come out in, in I mean, I, I said it enough, like anybody who's familiar with my, with my writing style, you know, could have been, You could have seen it clear as day that i was like there is something deeply wrong this problem this program is in serious trouble because he did nothing about any of those things and the sort of two and two that i i feel like i should have connected on some of the podcasts that i was on like this one was that like oh this dude's checked out Mm. like this dude's on the job market and the fact that he like immediately after the game against oregon accepted the michigan state job i was like oh he had probably checked out already and the reason why he didn't do any of those off-season things was that like he was already gone and so the reason i've been telling you this whole this whole bit you know about an article you wrote tristan <laughs> um was that i felt like this was a really awful way for the civil war you know to 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 end i mean i guess it won't I mean, they're, they're trying to schedule it. Uh, I guess we'll talk about that too, but like the, you know, is, is like an out of conference, you know, deal, though probably be played in September or something. But anyway, like that, like it it wasn't, it wasn't.
1: This was uh, not the game to go out on with this team, with a coach who it seems if we're putting our tinfoil hats on for a moment was reading the tea leaves last year and thought I Don't like the delay in this TV contract. And if this doesn't. Yeah, either he had already decided he wanted a different opportunity than Oregon State or he was hearing maybe more than the general public was and thinking, uh, I think this conference is going to implode. And I know that we are not going to get on one of the lifeboats. I need to I need to have a plan B here.
0: I mean, in many ways, like he's prescient and and correct. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like he could have been prescient and correct and also set up Oregon State to be successful. You know, like and and hell, he could have been getting guys that they that, that he then took with him to Michigan State. It would have screwed Oregon State again, but at least they would have been, you know, like. Oregon state didn't have that successful of a season, you know, like they lost to Arizona. That was a winnable game. You know, they, they, they had a, a closer call than they should have to Colorado, you know, like they lost to Washington. That was a winnable game. Like they could have, you know, played Oregon a lot tougher than they did, you know, all, all, you know, and, and then they're really falling apart now in the bowl game. Uh, You, you know, uh, uh, you know, and again, it all sort of comes back to like, and it was weird. It was re- weird reading Oregon state fans who were like, Oh, Jonathan Smith sabotaged them in the week leading up to the game against Oregon. Because like you, you're wrong about that. I did the film study of, uh, of it and, and like Oregon state players were playing real hard. They weren't surprised. You know, they did all their film study, you know, like they, they got outclassed by Oregon because of course they did because the time then Jonathan Smith screwed them wasn't like November 20th. It wasn't a couple of days before the game. It was like January 20th. It was, it was, you know, the, 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 the off season and it's just like total failure to restock the roster. And uh, like, you know, that's what got me, you know, and and like if anybody has to write an article like you did, you know, uh, uh, like about like ignominious (laughs) civil wars, like this is going to go up as one of them as the like the screw job game for the bees.
1: Yeah, I've. It's funny, I mean, some of the games that I covered, the article is still up for anyone who hasn't read it, but I, I drew sort of my arbitrary line on the modern games, which mm-hmm. for Oregon I generally define as, I was generally defining it as uh, Bill Musgrave arrives in Eugene, yeah. I went a little further back for this one, for obvious reasons, read the article. Uh, but... In that era, I have always described, you know, as an Oregon fan, I mean, great movie villains are the ones you love to hate. Jonathan Smith is the Oregon State player you hate to love. Mm -hmm. He's just sort of the honorable foe who you have to tip your hat to when you've suffered a grievous loss. Because I was physically present at both the games in Corvallis that I detail in the article in 98 and in 2000 when he quarterbacked beavers teams that beat the ducks in dramatic fashion and as soon as he arrived in corvallis my first thought was wow what a great hire for oregon state my second thought was this is going to be trouble Mm -hmm. and lo and behold a couple of times it was and then to see him just sort of admittedly he he is a professional first and foremost and if essentially he saw the company about to implode and he made his own off-ramp, you can't fault him as a professional, but it's, from a narrative and a fan standpoint, it's heartbreaking that the the hometown hero who returned to save the day and make this a really dramatic series once again is also responsible for one of the most disappointing games for any number of reasons in the history of this series that is the most frequently played west of the Mississippi.
0: But, I mean, I I had spend, I'd been spending all year you know, on a variety of podcasts talking about like, I I really felt like Oregon state this year wasn't prepared for high level play that they were, you know, they had one sort of like legacy thing going for them, which is they had a pretty good offensive line and they've got a pretty good running back. And that most of the teams in the PAC 12 just couldn't withstand that. You know, because like that's that's sort of the thing about having, you know, a a great efficiency run game is that if your opponent can't stop the run, the game is kind of over because you can use a run game to control the game in so many different ways. Um, And like that was just true. On the other hand, you could watch every other facet of the game where they were somewhere between mediocre and just bad. And it was just like a bunch of teams just like couldn't take advantage. And like you could see it on film. You could see teams beating them in every other quadrant of football. It's just they couldn't leverage that into wins because if you're getting annihilated in the run game. You know, it's, that's, you know, one of the ways that an opponent can use there, there's a couple different ones in football, but that's one of them where if your opponent is just killing you in that aspect that they can control the game um, or that they can sort of render the rest of their flaws or mediocrities irrelevant. But I, I was seeing it, you know, I was seeing mm-hmm. it in ways that, like, I feel like a lot of here's the other sort of like dirty little secret is that, like, I feel like a lot of people around the country like to pat themselves on the back about loving a blue collar team. Mm-hmm. But then they don't actually watch it. Yeah. They just, like, tell people that they do. And so, like, I, I could, you know, ask. them was like you know so so what do you you know what what do you think about this receiver and they're like oh oh yeah it was really i made that guy's name up you know like right <laughs> you know like or what do you think about that linebacker oh he's kicking ass oh, yeah you know who who went to lsu oh oh yeah that's right he did he, he did it's like yeah you haven't watched a second of this team's film you know like um you uh, know, it's
1: funny you mention that. I remember in the off season, there were a number of national writers who who I follow who were picking Oregon State as kind of a dark horse to follow up the success that they had the previous year with the ten win season. And the thing I kept reading and looking at incredulously was, "quote How much they have coming back?" Hmm. And I kept thinking, "Did?" You up okay? Obviously, you haven't read Hype's article, or you would never be saying that. And the other thing is, did you even look at a roster? Did you not yeah. see all the super seniors who were yeah. on that defense and never got replaced?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's just is. It I mean, the, they did bring back the most important element to what of of the twenty twenty three team, which was you know most of their offensive line and their their primary running backs. And, you know, it's it's just that they're you know is like I, I don't know is like a. a It was like it's like a a knight who who brought back their sword and their shield and and, uh, and and like their sword and their shield is their most important thing. And they brought that back. And so it's like, yeah, they brought back the most important thing, but also they're naked like they just forgot their armor like and they've got no helmet. And like, and they don't even have boots, yeah, exactly. And so, it's like, what happens when you like you face a, any opponent, then like that, that also has a sword? You know, it's yeah. like, well, you're gonna die, is what's gonna happen. <laughs> like,
1: and um, we, we saw that on uh, on yeah. last Friday. I, I was there in the stadium, uh, making the poor, uh, older Beaver fan sitting next to me uh quite miserable with how loud Mm -hmm. i was being thank
0: you very Very good that's what you're supposed to do uh don't 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 apologize for that um but you know yeah like uh uh, yeah, I don't know. Like that, that's, a, the, I, I sort of felt like that was going on a lot in the media. It was, it was sort of like, no one's actually watching this team or investigating its roster, but like, I don't know. Like, I also sort of feel like the media has very few actual professionals in it. Um, but that's a different rant. Uh, anyway, like, you know, to, to your article, which is sort of, you know, which was about the, the, the history of this series. Like, I feel like the, that's the real sort of tragedy is that like this this could have gone out with a bang like Jonathan Smith could have could have armored up that night you know like it could have been you know not a naked knight. it could have been a fully armored knight, or at least a reasonably well armored knight. like you know and this could have been you know uh uh you know, instead of a civil war to go on the ignominious list, it could have been one that goes on the all timer list, like the last one, best one, you know, like that's, the th- to me, that's the, the the real awfulness. Like, you know, and, and I feel like if that had been the case, even if Oregon had still won, but it was in like a banger, you know, like a 31 28, you know, kind of game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of deal. And then, you know, the next day, Jonathan Smith, you know pieces out and takes a lot of the coaching staff like i feel like b fans probably wouldn't be at like i don't know it's probably not appropriate for me to speak for them but i feel i mean how could there not be how could there not be like less you know anger you know about that uh yeah
1: you, you gave us a great one to go out on coach so thanks for the memories we'll miss you kind of thing it yeah and, and now like there'd be those kind of
0: feelings. like now he's going to be reviled you yeah. know and, and now like you know you're you're he's going to be a guy who you know as you say when you were in the stadium twice for him you know beating the ducks uh you know and then you know becomes the hometown hero like now i mean his name's mud in corvallis like and it, i mean yeah manager rosters people like i don't. Like I, I write all these articles in the off season that are about roster management to investigate, like not how you're going to perform in September. You know what? Everybody performs well in September. The Pac-12 won almost every one of its games and had a conference play in September. You know, I, I'm not writing that stuff for September. I'm writing that stuff for November, and as it happens, December first, which we'll talk about after the break. So, there's one more Pac-12 game to play,
1: and it's shaping up to be a pretty good one, I'd say.
0: It might be a pretty good one. Yeah, <laughs> I I could actually see this going in in, in two different ways actually a lot of people are like it's either the ducks blow them out or it's a close game i don't even think close games on the table i think either the ducks blow them out or the huskies blow the ducks out mm-hmm. because like the only scenario in my mind for the huskies winning is the ducks just like just like let it all get to them mm-hmm you know did you know what i'm talking about like where the, the ducks well, just mean, sort of like implode and yeah. just like not not that i think that like the roster is set up to implode this wouldn't be for like football reasons mm-hmm. you know because the roster is too deep for that but like well with the exception of the one obvious position that nobody can ever afford you know an injury at but i you know whenever anybody is talking about depth they always have to accept that position Mm -hmm. um but like uh that just sort of goes without saying everyone knows that but like um the but i mean like you know in terms of like football you know like the the offensive you know the, the the play calling is too good the the on both sides of the ball the roster is too deep on both sides of the ball the trench play is too good on both sides of the ball like you know the, the you know the backups and stuff like all of it is too good you know for but but there's a scenario where it's just like the psychological you know pressure you know like the the, the fear of failure you know just lets it all you know lets it all get to him and it's the team falls apart i mean we've never seen it you know happen this year but like it frankly it's the best explanation that i can think of for what happened to the the ducks in last year's civil war like that game Mm -hmm. makes no sense like totally
1: irrational outcome
0: like like You know, for everybody who I think properly, I mean, hell, I'm one of them said like, look, you know, yes, Dan Lanning comes from this, you know, fantastic Georgia defense, and you would expect him to to make the defense look real good. And hey, look, a year later, it does look real good. Like, so you know but you know first year it didn't look real good well why is that well he didn't have the right pieces you know the pieces that he inherited for what were for one type of defensive system and he's actually running a different kind of defensive system so even though we had some five-star linebackers they weren't really the right body types for the kind of defensive system that he wants to run well hold up the type of of guys that those were were run pluggers like the one kind of defense that helpers. you were yeah yeah the one kind of offense that you should have been able to stop was this one like it may have been the wrong thing for what he wanted to do but like you should have been able to stop the beeves and the fact that they totally fell apart you know and then like, I don't know, the special teams disasters and it sort of felt like they were up in their heads about like, mm. hey, win this and you go to the conference championship game and you get in and, and, you know, you get to take on, you know, the Heisman favorite and you get to, you know, for a playoff berth and and like all of it, like it sort of just felt like they got in their heads. And
1: Absolutely. like, um, that's
0: I mean, honestly, that is the number one thing that I worry about, like because mm-hmm. uh, it's the only way I can see because I mean, I've been doing this. I mean you've been watching Washington. I have and wait. I even I, I
1: had enough time to do to help you with film study on, on their Utah game, which was a squeaker. And it, this team does not look like what we were seeing earlier in the season. Yeah. It it just doesn't. And how much of that is the fact that they have been powered up by I mean, you described it earlier as Washington is a team which has one incredibly effective weapon that they bring to the fight and it is an almost unparryable blade that is their passing game yeah well that sword keeps getting dropped yeah in in some ways it's just when it connects when they get a good swing on that when Penix throws a good pass it is a spectacular spectacular path
0: that's the thing that's so weird I, I wondered if you had any insight into this I, I mean i ran a statistical regression uh and i couldn't find an answer but like that's what's so strange about i mean we we had a conversation with roman Thomas um and he didn't have any better you know explanation than i could come up with but like we both agreed that it's some sort of physical ailment um it seems
1: like i'm obviously no doctor but i both my parents are although not of the kind that would help with this uh Mm. michael Penix isn't pregnant that i know of though maybe Mm. that would explain some things Hmm. uh but i i can't you know diagnose anything like that there have been rumors of you know rib injuries from hard Mm. hits and maybe every once in a while there's just a twang of pain and you know he loses muscle control but But, i i'm just speculating
0: but that's the thing that's like that's so you know so weird about you know uh, about all the wild pitches is that like it's not like i tried all sorts of different core you know every correlation that i could program into the into sbss to to ask it for uh it it came up with like you know no strong correlation you know not you know not direction not depth not you know time of the game you know nothing nothing that i could find just seems to be sort of like random um and and that's the thing is that he's not throwing wild pitches on every time and it's not like it's not like they're all slightly off either Mm -hmm. it's it's like You know, before it was like 75% completion. And frankly, the fact that it was 75% completion, the 25% that were incompletes, it was a chunk of it was on the receiver's. Mm-hmm. which, like, you know, a chunk of it is always on the receivers. The receivers are humans. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, a chunk of it is throwaways because that was the other thing. And, uh, like, you could observe this going back to the 2022 season. He was just comfortable throwing the ball away. Like, if it's not there, he'd get rid of it. And and, and also, like, this is – and Washington fans don't want to admit this, but, like, their offensive line is really not very good in pass protection. Like, it really isn't. Fair. Like, it yeah. kind of sucks. Like, you saw it, too. Like, oh, we yeah. Watched I
1: mean, the, Utah was having their way with yeah, that line. I they, had it, a lot of bad grades on those offenses
0: line I, they're really bad i don't understand why ever, like well i do understand it's because they like washington fans watch it and they're like the 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 robots from westworld when they're when they're presented evidence of the outside world and their eyes just sort of go glassy and they're like that doesn't look like anything at all like they're they just refuse to even see what their eyes are showing them it's so crazy to me um and then everybody else is sort of like they're not actually watching it they're just watching the ball right you know the book like take your eye off the ball, you know, teaches you to actually watch football. They don't do that. They just watch the ball. And so it's like they see that the ball is out of, you know, Penix's hand and that he's not taking a sack and they just sort of inferred, well, the line protection must have been great. But if you're actually doing the film study, Tristan, as you and I have been doing, it's like You watch, you know, the line completely falling apart and that they're about to murder Penix. It's just that Penix gets the ball out of his hand in two seconds. So, anyway, back, I was still on the like, what's the seven, the the 25% incompletion in the good old days about a good chunk of it is throwaways because he's about to get destroyed and the pass isn't there. But whatever, he's fine just throwing it away and living to fight another day. So, anyway, all of this, as you said, it's it's sort of this high wire act where like Mm -hmm. he has to complete the pass with two seconds because his pocket doesn't hold up longer than that and the cool thing about the, the passing system which is really an awesome passing system under Kalen DeBoer is that it usually gives him that pass it usually gives him that pass he's brave enough to make that throw he's got receivers who can make that catch and so he gets rid of it and you know it's great um but if anything is going wrong if like If his receivers, you know, are messing up, if he's locking on to a dude that he shouldn't be locked on to, or if he's just sort of inaccurate, like it all collapses because like it's not a multi-dimensional offense and his line doesn't hold up long enough for him to go through like a full read. Like he can't go one, two, three, four down the path. I'm not saying that he is incapable of doing so. I'm not trying to call him like a one read quarterback or that he'd be a washout in the NFL. I don't think that's true. Like, I think that he's got all the talent in the world and I actually think he's going to be great in the NFL. Uh, and I, I think he would be great in different systems, but I am saying in the system, in the reality that we actually live in, in this system with this offensive line he's not afforded that opportunity he he basically needs to throw within 2 seconds cuz the line's not holding up and you saw it too
1: mm-hmm. that's the thing that's so incredible about this offense is that even with a it's said that you really can't coach your way around a bad offensive line and with the other ingredients they have the board did they all they 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 really did it's it's crazy i have a quarterback who is accurate if you only give him two seconds and i have receivers who can read the defense get open and make contested catches and you know it's like they threaded the needle on this i, 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 what I Colorado honestly obviously could not
0: and and but the thing is it's a high wire act mm. you know like if anything goes wrong And then they're playing without a net to complete that metaphor. We switched from the swordsman metaphor to the circus metaphor. Uh, The yeah, because like they don't have anything else going on. They don't even have a different type of passing offense, much less, you know, the way that when you watch. Hey, it's an Oregon podcast. You know, I people will just be more familiar with Oregon's offense who are listening to this than, than others. You know, I could have chosen a bunch of other examples. I just, I know that this audience will be familiar with the way that like Oregon's offense can do a bunch of different things, right? They can, you know, they, they have a bunch of different ways that they can throw the ball. They can throw, you know, screens and swings. They can throw to the running back. They can throw to the tight end. They can throw intermediate passes and deep passes and that you know like they, they have a multi-dimensional passing offense and they have a multi-dimensional rushing offense they can run power they can run you know zone they can run for efficiency they can run for explosiveness they can run in short yardage to pick up little stuff you know or they could hit- hit the home run they can run end arounds and and you know they can do creative rpo stuff right like oregon has like the full you know batman utility belt of gadgets you know it's not like you know they they walk into battle with you know one blade and that's it you know and they have a defense that's the other thing you Uh, know yeah that
1: that that was the other thing i mean i yeah. They, again, I, I got to review the, the Utah Washington film and yeah. Okay. You shut them out in the second half, but it, it's an Andy Ludwig offense with a, with a
0: backup quarterback,
1: with a backup quarterback. Uh, the fact that you allowed 28 points to them in the first half, you know, uh, to, to quote one of the greatest animated series of our, of our time, your defense is bad and you should feel bad.
0: Mm. Actually, let me put a hold on if I'm on the defense. I just wanted to finish up the thought about the the, the offense because I realized it left something dangling. The thing that's the crazy about Penix is like the weird inaccuracy of the last six weeks is that it's not that he's somewhat inaccurate on all passes. It's that he's accurate on 60% of his passes and the other and like 10% is sort of the miscellaneous category that's always been there. Um but then 30% now are like oh my god what the hell was that?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And and it and number 1 uh, I I I I cannot predict when those are going to be. It's like really like what I I I, I don't know why uh those happen. And, uh the, number 2 they're like wildly bad. It's not like a little mm-hmm. bit. It's like They're off into the bleachers, you know, it's, it's real bad. I mean, you saw them, Tristan. I mean, yeah, I
1: saw, I definitely saw a handful of those in the Utah game where it's like, how, what the heck, man?
0: Like that one, I, I wanted to put it in the article. I wound up choosing, choosing a different one because it illustrated a couple other concepts. I also wanted to talk about, but there's a truly bad one. The one to the tight end, a culp who's headed to the end zone. You know the that remember that one?
1: Yeah, I remember that one. Where it's just
0: like... like even Culp is looking around like afterwards, like... like dude, I get like one pass every three games, and you sailed it over my head. Like, come on, man, like. <laughs> yeah I, it's just like ooh. and then like Hewitt, of course is making excuses for him and they go oh man the wind the wind is so bad here <laughs> meanwhile the pig farmer is slicing <laughs> the ball through there just fine you
1: know like, like mayus among the suitors
0: yeah right uh ooh, sick reference bro like uh anyway the um yeah like they sort of you know washington by this point sort of they'd run out of excuses and 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 roman at least was good enough to just say look it's some sort of physical ailment that's persisted for six weeks and there's no such thing as a physical ailment like there are some that like you get it and it lasts for a week or two and then it clears up um but you know the rest of them are, are like you if it's lasted six weeks it lasts Like two months at least, you know, like there's none of them that's like it's six weeks and then miraculously you're healed. Um, So we're probably going to see it. In the title game, you know, sadly, I'm not, like, wishing it on him. I, you know, I, if anything, I I hope that he makes a, a, a full recovery and he doesn't have to experience pain because, like, I'm, I'm not a monster. I don't want him to experience pain or anything. I'm just trying to observe reality that it feels like. And, and like, my job is to observe reality when a whole lot of fans seem to be invested in not doing that. Uh, I sort of have to, like, beat them over the head with it, like, so i don't know um the, the the it's you know there are a couple of other factors about the offense that are worth mentioning that are in my article um that uh no, the, they've been having a bit of a problem with wide receivers i sort of dismiss that as being a major issue um it's oh, man you read my article i i i go through through it um the the uh yeah i it's it's not nothing but it's minor at best uh there's a bit of an offensive line thing again i think sort of minor at best um the the uh, they've they've decided to run the ball uh more um it constitutes uh well bottom line they're running the ball about six percentage points more often um uh uh and significantly more between you know outside the red zone um it used to be that they reserved rushing almost exclusively for the red zone and now they're sort of running kind of all the time um uh uh which i'm sure you saw when you were charting them as well right that they were like hey this team's actually running the ball between the 20s right
1: I, yes i did notice that and you know we're seeing some of the same limitations with the offensive line which exactly. in previous previews i mean you mentioned how I guess if there's a theme to this podcast tonight, it's if you want success during the season, do the work in the off season. So you have the right players in place. And Washington has not done that along their offensive line. So I really like number seven as a back, as you mentioned in the article, he he gets a ton of Yakko yards. Yeah. Uh, But that's that's sort of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, yeah. Dylan Johnson is, uh, It you know it was really like especially clear you know it was that you definitely saw it in the Utah game but Utah's got a a pretty decent rush defense Mm -hmm. you know what was crazy was the same thing that you were seeing in the Utah game was what I was seeing you you know when they were playing Wazoo which has a terrible rush defense which is you know sort of the, the blocking wouldn't be there Johnson would hit you know the blockers you know two yards in and then would sort of muscle it you know for another two yards and so it's like they're getting like four yards of carry of which half of it is Dylan Johnson just straining yeah. um you know it's like they're they're never breaking anything you know big there's no there's no real creativity to the run game you know they're the they, the blocking isn't there to get up to like the second level you know to do anything like uh you, you know like I, i'm not barring the possibility that they occasionally break a big run hell when they played usc they were doing it all the time but like
1: that's that, that's usc that was because I mean, they were playing
0: usc you know yeah, like, I mean, it's that's like dream. achilles
1: coming into the into the uh into the fray if we're going to continue okay, the metaphors okay. here yeah it's very good.
0: Um, but yeah, and it's sort of like, yeah, if you're seeing the same thing against Wazoo's rush defense as you're seeing against Utah's rush defense, like, you know, what that's telling you is that it's not the defense that you're playing. It's you. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, like they, and so, I don't know, like in terms of like them trying to be like more of a multidimensional offense, I guess I would sort of like congratulate them. It's just like their execution level is not, Like they just can't, you know, like so, you know, they're, you know, the thing is, it still is like, here's the crazy thing. Even though their their pass efficiency is way down and their yards per pass attempt is way down, like it's down from like 10 to 7.3, making them like a a very average pass offense over the last six weeks. They're still like 20 percent explosive because like the structure of their passing offense hasn't changed at all. And like on the 60% of passes that he's completing, they're still within that awesome passing system. So like when they connect, they're for deep passes. And so like, yeah, it's still the way that they're winning games. And it's still the threat you like there's, I mean, how could it be anything else? Uh, Mm. And so like, they're still able to like score in a heartbeat, you know, it's less likely because the efficiency is down. But like, it's still, it's, they still got the sword, you know, the, yep. the, the sword's rustier, but I don't know. That just means it has the ability to infect you with tetanus. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, we, we said, we'd talk about the defense, the, the defense, I, like the numbers haven't changed. Like, unlike the offense where the numbers have changed the defense, like the, the numbers, the numbers are, are like the first six weeks, last six weeks, like or six games lack six games they're they're all identical. They've actually slipped a, a little tiny bit and in the article I sort of go into like is that the defense or the offenses that they're playing or is that some personnel attrition and sort of the answer is yes um uh, uh, there's some debate at the end of my article about whether or not their good defensive tackle Latuli and Gasanoa will be available or not Roman. The podcast guest that we had swore that he is and that the that he wasn't playing the last two weeks because of a strategic decision i um i think that he is faithfully reporting what the coaches have been saying but the coaches have been telling a story and i break down in my article why i think it's just a story um i'm not going to repeat it on the podcast because or I don't know, read my article, but I suspect that what we're going to see in this game is the same thing that we've seen for the last several weeks, which is a pitch count for that guy, and that the guys that they have uh, uh, left are controllable by a good offensive line, and so therefore Oregon should be able to run because their efficiency rush defense is terrible. It's at like thirty three percent. Now that you know because. Washington's offense can score in a heartbeat like the immediately obvious thing of just like run 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 the ball to like take the air out of the ball and make it a low possession game is probably not a good idea but like still you should be able to like run you know to run a lot use the run game to set up what you want to do mm-hmm. Um, but you use know, the
1: whole yeah. use the whole uh utility belt. Make sure you use part of every pocket, you know, sequence yeah. the run in the past to to set up your set yeah. up your, your big your big hits.
0: And then also Roman gave us some good information that I was not super aware of. Um or I mean I had seen it on the fields, but like I, I didn't I didn't I didn't have the dots connected and he connected them for me, is what I was trying to say. Um it, uh, which is like how their safety situation is working. Like they, they had an injury that I didn't understand was an injury. I thought it was just rotational stuff. Um, and like, so basically now they can't really, you know, rotate They They basically don't, don't have any relief. And like their safeties are kind of vulnerable. Uh, like I put together a video compilation that I, I, I tweeted out this morning. I mean, it, the purpose of it was to go into my article because it, it's how I exceed the, um, the, the length limitations on my, on my article, um, because the hoster for my article only lets me do things for a minute, but on Twitter I can do it for longer. But then I'm like, well, if I've already assembled it, I'll just tweet it out a day early to drum up interest for my, for my article. So I tweeted it out and then a bunch of Washington fans were upset at me. But anyway, what I tweeted out was, uh, Washington is ranked 118th in the country in giving up 35 plus yard passing plays like they're just not good at defending like the bomb um, or screen passes that go big either. It was funny. I had somebody who was like. Okay, but like, uh, uh, like four of these were screen passes, so the real number is only this. And I'm like, oh, what fascinating news that the NCAA has declared that screen passes don't count against yardage, like, <laughs> right. or that the defenses aren't responsible for stopping screen passes. Like, who is, is it, like, is it the band? <laughs> is it the, is it the, the, is the, are the cheerleaders supposed to rush on the field and tackle the screen pass, like? Like these guys have taken have taken this like, oh, screen passes aren't for real men, you know, thing to 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 such like like ridiculous levels. Like, yeah. oh yeah, if they give up a 50 yard screen pass for a touchdown, that it doesn't which they've literally did to Johnti in the first game of the year, mm-hmm. um, after giving up a 50 yard screen pass to the same dude on the same play earlier in the game. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Those points don't even count on the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah. anyway. you know, screen passes are not a trick play. It's not like yeah.
1: a halfback pass where you're only yeah. going to see it once a game. <laughs> you can run screens multiple times.
0: In fact, Washington runs screens. I don't know. Like, I don't know why they're like blind to that. In fact, like w- that was the funny thing about the week thirteen is that Washington ran more screens than Oregon did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he- anywho um the uh uh yeah no the, the the defense is um it's just i mean it's it, it was bound to happen just a little bit of attrition like uh, i i don't really think that they i mean i think that it's not jonathan smith level but like they probably should have done a little more work in the in the transfer portal um you know like i i think i think they've got a a, a bunch of duds other than Lutili and Gasanoa at their defensive tackle room. And they're probably going to have a real problem going to next year. Um, they probably should have been more aggressive. They didn't get enough, you know, freshmen. Like they definitely haven't been as aggressive recruiting the line as Oregon has. Um, I don't really think they're ready for Big Ten play, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, they they definitely should have been more aggressive in in the portal in terms of their linebacker room. Like the only linebacker, you know, portal dude that they got was Raylan Goforth, who was a washout from USC. Which, like, let me uh, get this straight: yeah. <laughs> a guy who wasn't good enough to play defense for Alex Grinch? <sighs> That's
1: they who got... you're hanging your hat on, really.
0: Yeah they got, they got a halfway decent corner, but I mean, he's a corner who's been part of that crew. Who's given up more 35 plus yards than all, but four power five teams. Like, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Oh yeah. And also they don't have any like pass rush anymore. That's how did I get this along without saying this? Like they, like that was the crazy thing. They had like a real terrifying pass rush last year and like, it's the same guys. Well, like it's not actually. They lost one of them, but like he was only, you know, one third of it. Like the other two guys came back, but they're just like completely ineffective. Like they're, I mean, they're like they're they're almost last place in the country in terms of generating sacks and tackles for loss. They they've they have half as many sack scrambles and throwaways per drop back as they did last year. And like that hasn't changed in the second half of the season. It's the same sort of bad performance. I mean, you know that that's the up, you know, the update part of my article is that they didn't suddenly get better. Like, nope. And, you know, the things like investigating now that I have enough data for it, you know, I can say I didn't have enough data to say this in the in the first article that I wrote. But I do have enough data to say this now, which, you know, because I now have 12 games worth of data, which is to say that there are third and short versus third and long um, pass defense success rates have a large discrepancy, um, which always indicates that the pass rush is necessary. Right. Because. You understand why, Tristan, right?
1: Well, of course. I mean, on third and short, uh, we were talking about this this offense built around uh, two seconds from snap to release of the ball, where e- even non-Calen DeBoer offenses can do that on third and short if they want to throw. Right, it's just catch and release.
0: Well, and also that the 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 guys who were responsible for rushing the passer, if it's third and short, they have to play the run,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Uh, on the other hand, if it's third and and so therefore on third and short, all of your pass defense is coming from the secondary. Right. But on third and long, now the pass rush can really engage. You're not worried about the rush on third and long. So, like if you have a really fantastic third and long uh, pass defense, but you have a terrible third and short pass defense, it indicates that your pass rush, which is the missing element on third and short, was was the element that was you know really contributing to it on the other hand if you have a small disparity that means that like the pass rush was the 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 secondary was really doing their job well washington's a big disparity team so yeah uh So like, yeah, the, the defense is, I mean, it's not the worst defense. Like their defense was really terrible in 2022, but a lot of that had to do with the, the the shambles that Jimmy Lake left them and also being not healthy. And so just a little bit of the repairs and getting healthy has like jumped up their defense, but it was still like complacent in that they like, they should have done more. And so attrition kicked in which hasn't really affected them until the end of the year. But then just like I teased now is the end of the year. And now like their numbers are slipping a bit. And that's also like, if you I'm not going to read out all the numbers on the podcast, but they're in my article where it's like, they, they, they kind of peaked around week five for when their defense was best. And then over the last seven weeks, it's been backsliding and and you can sort of see why it's because of attrition and like everybody experiences attrition but like the best teams are the teams that did the roster management to to be able to survive that without you know backsliding um and well you can see from washington's numbers you know the proof of the pudding is in the eating Mm. and and what's the theme of our podcast today tristan
1: well, the theme of our podcast is that if you want to have success in season, do the work in the off season.
0: Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, you got any parting words of wisdom for us, Tristan?
1: Uh, all hail duck Thulu. Let's let the dark powers, uh, en- energize through us in the city of sin.
0: Uh, oh yeah, it is in Las Vegas. Um, Yeah, I I am definitely looking forward to uh, not playing this game in Seattle. Uh, I had to watch way too many games uh, in that accursed field where they get like a ridiculous number of, uh, you know, officiating decisions going their way. Uh, Their crowd is obnoxious uh, they, uh, and, and their field is super slippery, like, and that continued to like just constant seeing dudes slip like constantly all the time was really annoying. Um, but you know, Hey, uh, you know, Allegiant stadium has a, a nice, uh, dome over it, you know, neutral territory, uh, and, and, which means of course, shouldn't be any real precipitation in Allegiant stadium, but It never rains on this podcast.